0: So um, I, am I OK there, back, sir? Perfect. Thank you. So who was it that said that their dad didn't really work, uh, that he only sat behind a computer all day? Was that Joel? Was that Joel? No, who was it? I think it was Kalen Kalen All right, so someone needs to get a job around here, get a proper job. OK. Uh, none of this sitting behind desks all day. OK. So just tell Caleb that. that uh, uh, Jason, is it? It was Jason that he was giving out about. I thought Jason was quite a good guy for outside. <laughs> yeah. He's outside with a mini digger right now. He's outside with a right now. So, so, well, that's, you know, so Caleb needs to see that. And then, uh, what a, how exciting that Thiago is speaking tonight. So, Thiago, stand up. Um, so, Thiago is going to be speaking tonight in Camurri Arts and Heritage Center. Is it your first time with a sermon? It's my first time. So, you're feeling nervous? So wouldn't you love lots of people to come and hear you? Because it's a wonderful passage you're speaking from. You know, you can sit down, but uh, his sister um, gave out to him when I was over. I went across to see how he was getting on with his sermon. And um, Letitia found out that I was coming to talk to her brother. And um, she thought I was coming, was it, to give out to him or to tell him how he needed to be better? So the first thing that Letitia tells me is that... Thiago's not playing enough with her. So she looked forward to him coming home from Hungary, but now he's not playing enough with her. So I had to have a words. That's the first time on a pastoral visit that I've ever had to tell someone to play more. Okay, so we are now on, and by the way, isn't it great to have Lucas's mom-in-law here? So uh, if you could say nice things about Lucas uh, to the mom-in-law um just, you know um, he's being best behaved today although he didn't have a shave um <laughs> he's looking a bit scruffy anyway let's pray and then we'll study god's word father turn our eyes upon jesus holy spirit work within us to see jesus and his beauty father show us your love and you speak to us through your word and we pray that as we study this passage, we would hear you. And we would hear you tell us that we are precious to you. Amen. <laughs> 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 the timing was perfect. <laughs> Five seconds later, not having totally thrown. So was that cost you? Yeah. yeah. So uh Louisa's somewhere around. <laughs> so um Let's look at this passage. It might help you if if your Bible's open at Genesis chapter 29, verse 14 to verse 35. Genesis chapter 29, verse 14 to 35. When I told Caroline I was speaking on this passage, she said, but you've spoken in this passage before, but she was slightly wrong. I use this passage as an illustration. We might remember when we were looking at Mark's gospel and what Jesus says about divorce and marriage. And this is a picture, and what happened actually was that this sermon series came out of that idea because here is a woman who's neglected in the Old Testament, and there's lots of neglected women in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a few of them. In fact, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey over the next four weeks. We're going to look at sibling rivalry next week, and we saw a little bit of that this morning. So um, we'll have sibling rivalry next week uh, between Rachel and Leah. But have you ever felt unwanted? You know, maybe it was that, um, you know, you thought he was the one. You thought he was the one and it turned out that he didn't think you were the one. Or it might be that the marriage started well, but he or she has just withdrawn their love from you. It's not what you hoped for as I have to say, no marriage is what we hope for in some ways if we're not realistic. And, and you just feel sometimes unwanted by your husband or your wife. Or it could be your parents. Maybe you grew up in a home where dad was always busy and never had time for you. Our mom was always critical and, and you just felt like a disappointment to her. Or it could have been friends. You know, it could be that, you know, you had friends who moved away, friends who sort of lost interest. You know, it started with great enjoyment and excitement about each other, but after time, they just lost interest, and you kind of feel unwanted. If you think that no one cares about you, this is the passage for you. Because Leah was the woman, oh, and precious, I got the slides. Leah is the woman who no one cares cared for. The first thing to say is that only God completes us. I was going to talk about um, Jerry Maguire, the film. Uh, You know, we take our, you know, sometimes our romance advice from Hollywood. Terrible idea. And what happens at the end of Jerry Maguire is that he says to this girl, he says, you complete me. Now, the truth of the matter is, Tom Cruise, who played that role, if you look up his Wikipedia page, you'll find that he never found anyone who completed him. He's gone from relationship to relationship to relationship. And the stupid thing is, we look at these actors and actresses, and we think, they've got the answer. Hollywood's got the answer. This is what it's like. But then you look at the actors behind that, and you see they haven't ever found someone who's going to complete them, and you won't. Because no person can complete you. And the problem is that when we demand that someone completes us, whether it be a friend, a child, a relationship, we put such a burden on them, and we look to them for our happiness, and we will inevitably, if we're realistic, feel let down. So the story goes that Jacob, who was known as a deceiver, is on his Run! He's running from his brother Esau because he tricked his brother out of his inheritance and birthright. And this deceiver decides to go to Uncle Laban for safety. And, and Laban's going to be a deceiver too. In some ways, he's getting someone who's just like him. And he arrives as a new person in this new village, and the first person he meets is Rachel. And he probably felt love at first sight. I think in his heart, he might have said, this woman will complete me. And what he does is he turns out to be a really good worker. He works really hard for Laban, his uncle. And Laban then goes to him and says, well, look, you're working really hard for me. You know, even though I'm giving you accommodation and all the rest, I should pay you what would be a suitable pay. He knows straight away what he wants. I want Rachel. And uh, it's interesting. In that culture, it was a bride price. You know the difference between a dowry and a bride price? Mm -hmm. So a dowry is if uh, you have a daughter and someone comes to offer to marry her. You pay the person to take her. I suppose it says what you think about your daughter. Whereas a bride price is someone comes to you and wants your daughter and you say, you pay me. And I suppose it reflects a higher value that they put in the women. But in a way, Laban says, bride price, seven years work. It's quite hard, isn't it? It's quite a high price. And it's funny because what happens then is Jacob goes off and he works for those seven years and the time passes really quickly. I kind of thought that was counterintuitive. I would have thought if I wanted something really bad, every day would be just that little bit longer. But maybe, you know, they're meeting in the fields or he's watching her and he's just thinking, this is brilliant. Anyway, the time passes really quickly. And the evening comes of the wedding. The wedding feast would have lasted for a week. They would have consummated the marriage in the first night. And then they would have celebrated the rest Mm -hmm. of the week in the wedding. And Laban tricks the deceiver. So he has another daughter, Leah, who's not beautiful, And Jacob goes to bed thinking he's going to sleep with Rachel and wakes up with Leah. I kind of wondered how that happened. Well, it was dark. And I suspect maybe Jacob had a lot of drink. and, And he doesn't see what's going on. And it's quite striking. It says, you know, then it was Leah in the morning. And there's a Bible commentator called Derek Kidner, and I, I don't really like this point, but I think it's true. I don't like this point because, you know, Leah's getting a hard enough time without being pointed out that she's a disappointment. But Derek Kidner says, the thing about it is, this is a picture of life. You go to bed with Leah, no, you go to bed with her thinking it's Rachel and you wake up finding it's Leah. He's, he's disappointed. And, and there's so much of life like that. The next purchase, the perfect relationship, the restored marriage, then, you know, then I'll be happy. And and it gets together, the right person, you think. And, And you have this thing, I'm going to bed with Rachel, but you wake up with Leah because ultimately everything in this world disappoints us. And he's disappointed. And everything in this world, and we're always being manipulated by the marketers, says Rachel, 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 but we wake up with disappointment, disappointment, disappointment because nothing in this world can complete us. No person in this world can complete us. But then think of poor Leah. This is my second point. Think about Leah. Like, we talk a lot about self-esteem. You know, we, we, we build in a world so that, you know, self-esteem is the thing that will make you happy. What a poor Leah's self-esteem? You know, poor Leah, she knows that her husband was willing to work 14 years, her own sister, He was willing to work 14 years for her sister, but not one day for her. How does that make you feel? She knows that the only way that her father could get anyone to marry her was by tricking them. How does that make you feel? She watches every day for the next seven years as her husband gets up simply to go to work Why? To get her sister. Can you imagine how that feels? Can you imagine what that would be like for your self-esteem? Awful. And yet, wouldn't it be lovely to think that someone would work for you? Wouldn't it be lovely to think that someone saw you like Rachel? That someone saw you and said, I want them so much that I'd be willing to work 14 years for that person. Wouldn't that that be special? Well, someone has done that for you. Someone has done a lot more than that for you. Someone left heaven to live the life of a servant to die rejected on a cross so that he could have you. Isn't that so much more than Jacob could offer Rachel? And, and you even think about it, you know, um, well, well, we'll move on to the next point, which is Reuben. So, so what does Rachel, not Rachel, Leah do Leah has a strategy. She hasn't given up on the idea that her husband might love her. So she starts having children. God's so kind to her. He sees her. He sees her pain. Can you see that? Like he's motivated by her pain because he is a compassionate God who sees our pain and is motivated and he cares. And he gives her a son. And it's literally Reuben, which means behold a son, see a son. And then she has Levi and Simeon. And and now she says, and now my husband will love me because in this patriarchal society of the ancient Near East, I've given him the very thing that every man wanted, which was sons. And he doesn't. He doesn't love her. Nothing that she can do for him will make him love her how different that is to Jesus. Nothing you do for Jesus makes him love you because he already loves you. You don't have to do anything. Nothing you do to give to Jesus makes him love you because he loves you. You don't have to do anything to earn Jesus' love because you can I was thinking of one of my favorite verses, 1 John 3, verse 1, which says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us. Lavished. There's nothing reluctant in God's love towards you. There's no sort of striving to prove yourself that he might love you. He loves you because he loves you. And that love is a lavishing, overflowing love. And and I know that for most of us, that's hard to accept. What do I do to earn it? How can I buy it? No, he gives it to you. And then someone says, because this this was right back to when the gospel was rediscovered at the Reformation, and when Martin Luther started talking about this love that comes freely, people said, well, then you'll do what you want. No, that's completely different. Then you'll do what he wants. Because when you realize this love, it changes us. And so we live a different life not to earn God's love like Leah was trying to earn her husband's love. We live a different life in Jesus because we have our husband's love. We have the bridegroom Jesus' love. It's a completely different motivation. And then we come to the climax of this passage. So verse 35 is really interesting, isn't it? Look at verse 35. So verse 35, she's gone, I'll have a child, he'll love me. I'll have a child, he'll love me. I'll have a child, he'll love me. And then what happens in verse 35? This time I will praise the Lord. Where is Judah? Well done, Judah. (coughs) This time I will praise the Lord. That's what Judah means, praise In other words, she has stopped finding her identity in finding Jacob's love. And she is finally free. You will never be free when you put your sense of completeness around another person or another achievement or the approval of a parent, or the success of a child, or the next purchase, or a letter after your name, whatever it is, none of those things can complete you. you. And she now discovers she's free from trying to earn her husband's affection. Now, I was thinking about this during the week we need to be very careful because our heart is deceitful above all things and you could hear that the wrong way and you could actually use that to twist to make a difficult marriage worse so what you could say is, well you know what he can't complete me she can't complete me so I'm just going to give up trying you know so stuff them that's not what, that's not what's happening here. in fact when we find our completeness in God normally what happens is we reach out Better in love towards people. Does that make sense? So, normally what should happen, and I'm not saying it happens here, but not normally what happens, is that when you realize I'm no longer going to put all my desire for completeness and finding the right person or having the right marriage or having the best friend, normally what happens is when you go and you say, I'm going to find and see the completeness that Jesus offers me, normally what happens is that actually draws us closer to people in love because we're no longer loving them for the love they offer. We're loving them because we have a love flowing through us. We're no longer demanding and depending on them. We're enjoying loving them. So, you know, in marriage services, I often say, but you could say about friendships, you could say it about anything else. The closer we get to Jesus, the closer we become towards each other. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes as a pastor you'll go into a situation where there's a trouble in a marriage and and what you realize is that one of the couple is crying out for the marriage to be better and the other couldn't care less. That's, I think, what what her situation is, isn't it? And that's awful. Because it does take two people to, to put the fixing together. Anyway, let's complete. I would be complete if What do you look to to complete you? I'd be complete if I had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, if I had better health, if I had children, if my marriage was restored, if I had a different spouse. You might think all those things, but none of those things will complete you. Only Jesus can complete you. And Jesus is pointed to in this passage because... Those of you who know the Old Testament, you'll see that there's a line that goes through Judah, this son, that brings all the way to Jesus. And Jesus takes this theme, because Jesus loves to take um, descriptions or titles used for God and take them for himself. And Jesus uses this theme of the bridegroom, the heavenly husband for himself. And so the irony is that the husband she needs is not Jacob. The husband she needs is the one that comes through Judah. Jesus, who offers a love that no one else can give us and complete us. I want to say one thing, just a word of realism. We do live in a broken, fallen world, we're not in heaven yet. One day we'll see him face to face and we will have no other need because he will have mm. truly completed us. But it's a struggle in this life. And in this life, I don't know if you're like me, but I struggle to believe that Jesus loves me. And, and there's a prayer in Ephesians chapter three that says, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God would show you the height and depth and width of God's love for you. And that's a prayer to pray for yourself every day And pray for those you love every day. Because it's as we begin to see the love of God, it's as we begin to see that, that our demand for other people and other things to complete us lessens. And we find in him what they can't offer us. Just to finish with a verse from Isaiah chapter 62, verse 3. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so your God rejoices over you. May God the Holy Spirit enable us to believe that. Bob, would you pray?